Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Talent Factor Podcast. My name is Trey Talley, the L&D Dude. And I'm Veronica Reed, the HR Millennial, and we want to help you multiply your impact by maximizing your talent. On this episode, we are continuing our chat with Rance Green, author of Instructional Story Design, which was released on April 7, 2020. So hopefully you have your copy and you've been able to read it. During the previous episode, we discussed part one and part two of the book, which includes the discover and design phase. We encourage you to listen to our previous episode so you'll be all caught up. So we're going to talk about the third part of the book. Third part of the book is the deliver phase, which correlates with the develop and implement phases of the Addy model. So here's the first question about the deliver portion. Why is storyboarding so important during the deliver phase? All right. It's a pleasure to be with you both again. <laughs> Thanks for having just, me. like we're right into it. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Um, let's let's talk about storyboarding. Um, what do you guys think it is? Oh, wow. Look at him. I know. That's facilitation 101. I love it. No, for me, storyboarding is just kind of getting an outline. So I always look at it as an outline trying to really you've done all of the work, you know, in the beginning, like in the design, in the design phase. So really trying to put that into action and how do you want to present it to your learners? What's the most effective way? Mm -hmm. so and you are the outline queen. So <laughs> outline yes, queen, is. yes, absolutely. Highlights and everything. Yeah. I will outline some stuff. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Cherry? What do you think storyboarding um, is? You know, I think about storyboarding and I think about the, the content ordered, right? So you think about beginning, middle and end, and we've all been in a training where the flow is really off or there's a long portion that's just really slow. And so storyboarding is really kind of putting the pieces in the right places so that it all moves at the right pace in the right ways to the right end. Mm -hmm. Cool. I think that storyboarding definitely accomplishes but what both of you said. said. Good. I would and... hate to have been wrong on my own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> But there are, um, I think, different uses for, for storyboarding. For instance, if you are developing an e-learning course, um, your storyboard could be for e-learning where you are showing you know, pictures of the slides that you're going to be using, like iconic type pictures. Like this is going to be a content slide. This is going to be um, a, an activity slide, and it's going to have these kinds of functionalities to it. So um, it could be that way. But storyboarding for stories in particular, story design um, is going to be breaking up the story itself into scenes. And for each scene, you're going to have the dialogue in one column um, or the narration in one column. You're going to have what appears on the screen in the middle column. That's how I do it. And then in the last column, you'll have any kind of effects or music that you're going to use uh, for that story. And really storyboards are only needed for certain types of deliveries. So if it's gonna be for video, or um, if you're gonna use pictures paired with audio, some sort of audio and visual component, that's when storyboarding is really effective. If you're just going to present a story um, by speaking it in front of a group, um, there's really no need to storyboard that um, because you're just speaking it. Um, and if you are uh, just presenting it as text, you don't need it there either. Um, but the delivery method, as long as the design of the story is strong, 
the delivery method doesn't matter quite so much. But if you are going to deliver it in a way that includes any kind of audio or visual elements to it, I highly recommend storyboarding. Um, it takes, once you get good at it, 10 minutes. And then you have this picture in your head of, okay, I know what needs to appear on what screen at what line, and you're able to organize your animated video or your actual video or your pictures or how whatever you're doing, however you're um, developing that story, producing it, um, you have your storyboard as your map. That's awesome. How do you get better at that? Like if you try your first storyboard and it takes you seven hours and you're like, wow, it was nine slides and clearly I'm not good at it yet. How, how can somebody go about practicing getting better? Get the book. <laughs> great advice. Great advice. And uh, follow the instructions in the book. Um, it really should not be complicated. Storyboarding is not a complicated, complicated, uh, complicated? Endeavor? Endeavor, yeah. Thank you. Um, it is something that should be very simple. Um, sometimes it, for people who maybe have a difficulty visualizing things, and need pictures in front of them to be able to actually make it happen. Um, they might want to, I mean, sketching is great. You know, you have your dialogue in one column, just sketch out something or just describe it in words, however you see it. If you can, in your head, take the plot and begin to like see people doing things, it becomes a lot easier. If you can't see people doing things, you haven't written your story right. Ooh, you're, good. you're not, there's, there's no observable action. So you really need, you, we don't really need care about what they're thinking or what they're feeling. It's, uh, it's about the actions. So the story has to be about people doing things. And if you can visualize it, them doing those things, then you can craft a storyboard quite easily. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So also during this, um, deliver phase, you talked a lot about determining what's the best, kind of way to present the information. And so one thing that I found interesting is with stories, um, you don't necessarily need audio or video. Sometimes just text only stories are are good ways to present the information, which pretty much goes against like everything we've been hearing lately about with the technology and everything we have. It's all about interactivity and multimedia. So why do you think with stories, it's just, you can just do like a basic text only story. Sure. And you don't need, you know, the extra pomp and circumstance to go along with it. Sure, sure. Like people have access to different tools. Um, some people can do audio, you know, they've got Audacity, they're good to go. You know, they've got this plug in mic, this USB mic, they can record their own audio, they're good to go. Um, some people have um, access to maybe video editing equipment. Um, video editing takes a lot of time and unless you're buddy Royals, I wouldn't recommend like doing that unless <laughs> Ooh, he's you're really skilled skills. at it. Um, if, um, in my last podcast with you guys, I shared a story about the coffee shop. Remember that? Yes. yes. And in the bonus content, I shared another story with you, um, about a virtual, um, experience, um, with, well, a, a virtual training experience. Um, all I had was my voice, but you guys were like with me a hundred percent. And afterwards you're like, oh man, that was great. I, I, and, and so all I had was my voice. That's all I have. When you read a book, all you're reading is text, That's true. you know, and, and there are times when it's appropriate 
to make it simple because you've designed your story well, that's what matters most, that you've put the time into the design itself. The way it's delivered is less important than how um, much time you spent actually designing the story. So the design of the story itself is far more valuable than the method of delivering the story. Yes. Wow, that's awesome. That's yes. that's the thing. Like I look back, you know, some of my favorite movies are the Star Wars movies, the, the originals, four, five, and six. And when I look at why I don't love the prequels as much, it's not because the visuals are less incredible. The visuals are amazing. I mean, there are things in those first movies that George Lucas just wish he could have done with the originals, but they weren't powerful because I felt like it was story that was missing, mm-hmm. right? Like. Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie, they were these relatable characters. There was this story that left you going, are they going to win? Or are they going to not? And for all the beauty and the bells and whistles of the Star Wars prequels, the story wasn't there mm. and it just flopped. Yeah. Yeah, it's the design. It's the design of the story. And if you can do these other things, if you can do virtual reality, if you can do, you know, um, augmented reality. Awesome. That's great. But don't neglect the design of the story. Um, that if, if you neglect that, um, then you've lost, you know, um, you just the bells and the whistles of our e-learning tools and our, um, and our technology, they, they don't do it. That's not design. Those are delivery methods that can bring the design to life. And if what it's bringing to life is not very lively, (laughs) then it's going to suffer. Yeah. You know, we were even talking before about the stories we tell our kids at night. I don't know about you, but I don't bring in a whole bunch of props. I may do some voices here and there, but my kids remember those stories for years and it was just my voice. That's true. So the last part in the book is Overcome Barriers, which provides readers with resources to start incorporating story design into their training. So one of the biggest barriers that you mentioned is skepticism from stakeholders. So why do you think some stakeholders are resistant to adding story design into training or just story design in general? That is the million dollar question. Um, (laughs) You know, that resistance to storytelling, um, I, I think there's a, a very deep and, and broad resistance to emotional, anything emotional in the corporate setting. That's a good point. And storytelling is definitely on, the, on that side, you know. Um, and so it, I think that some stakeholders would say, you know, well, stories are fluff. You know, stories... This, this is about business. This is about getting results, ignoring the fact that we are people and our language is story. And um, if you really want me to do something, then tell me a story and I'll be able to follow, follow through with that. Um, it's not that we're not able, and I, I love the, um, Julie Dirksen has a book. It's a great book. It's called um, How to Design, uh, Designing for How People Learn, Design for How People Learn. Yeah, I love that book. And um, she references um, this um, research that has been done, um, and the metaphor is using an elephant and a rider. 
and the elephant is the represents the emotional side of the brain and the the rider is the intellectual side of the brain and the two of them work together and if the intellectual side if the rider is being appealed to he can he can stay the course for a while he can steer the elephant for a while but eventually the elephant is going to take over um, and lead where it's, it's going to go after the pizza. It's going to go after the, the nap on the couch. <laughs> yes. You know, that's what it's going to pursue. Um, so if we're not appealing to both the rider and the elephant, um, then if, if we appeal to the elephant and the rider together, then we have a much more powerful message. Um, I, I would say that just cultural culture is a big influence on why people resist storytelling. Um, uh, also, just in that setting, storytelling is just so unfamiliar for so many people um, that it just makes them feel uncomfortable to do that. Um, so you do have to be respectful of stakeholders and their comfort level, but that doesn't mean you just lay down and die. There are some strategies, and I, I lay this out in the book, um, of different ways that you can appeal to stakeholders um, to get their buy-in for, for storytelling. That I'll be looking for that part right there. Yeah. Because you, you experience that on a daily basis where you're like, well, what we're doing is effective. And you're like, that's great. We want it to be more effective. So it's mm -hmm. like you're saying, you can be fairly effective with the, you know, with the rider by itself. But if you want to be more effective, you appeal to both. That's right. And I'll, I'll share a brief story uh, with what? you. What? On an episode about story it. design? <laughs> that doesn't fit. Uh, this story is, is actually in the book. And it's, it's when I was designing this course, and there were actually three stakeholders involved. And um, two of the stakeholders were like, sure, we'll give storytelling a try. And the third one was like, eh, eh, not, our, our con you'll hear this a lot. Our content is way too serious for stories. <laughs> yeah, you get that a lot. Um, or, you know, this is, you know, we, our audience um, is, you know, the board of directors. We're not going to tell stories to the board of directors. Well, the board of directors are made up of people and people like stories. So, <laughs> and I have gotten stories into board of director training, by the way. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so, um, the... Uh, I went ahead and I honored their wish, you know? And so for two sections of the course, there was story. And for the, the third section, there was none. And by the end of that year, after training was complete and we saw the metrics and compared the, the three areas and not just the metrics, but like the buzz among the company, people were talking about the characters. And this was, this happened to be a compliance course, right? So, People were actually looking forward to to the next <laughs> compliance training because they they were so invested in these characters wow. and were interested in what they would do next, you know, um, and and so then then it came time for the kickoff for the next year and we were doing this course again and the three stakeholders came together. Well, that third stakeholder was like maybe we'll give storytelling a try. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a story, please? And they have actually not only adopted storytelling, but they've adopted the most like comic of the characters as their mascots. Nice. So I love it. 
Success story. That's fantastic. I love that. So you talked about, you know, kind of the the metrics and the buzz, and that was one of the ways you evaluated that that it was successful, that story worked for that. So what are some other ways that you can evaluate the success of story design if you don't have access to qualitative results? Mm -hmm. So just metrics. Well, first of all, we don't have to prove that storytelling works. That is proven for us. Um, so the research out there is overwhelmingly um, in your, on your side for that. If you have to prove it in some way, and I have done this, um, and not only for training, but for communications, and we actually took a survey and we had um, taken pieces of the training out of the training and then promoted it through communication, other communication means. Um, and we sent the survey and we had in the survey links to the communication that went out and we asked them to rate themselves before you saw this, you know, how would you rate your knowledge, your skills, your attitude to do the following thing? You know, how, how, what was the impact of this on you to do that? And then what was the impact afterwards? And then when we, you know, didn't know what the results would be, but they were statistically significant results that are separate communications that were story-based communications um, made a sig significant impact on performance. Um, and then, and conversely also in the training. So you can do it with metrics. You really don't have to because storytelling works. Yep. Absolutely. When you first said that, I was like, man, after you said, I don't have to prove that storytelling works. If these mics were we attached to booms, I was just like, drop the mic. We, can't, we literally can't drop the mic. I mean, you could push it. I think Buddy would be way. mad at us if we drop these mics. They're, they're, they're kind of pricey. So. It's a metaphorical yeah. dropping of the mic, Buddy, yeah. I promise. Yeah. Stories deserve a mic drop. That's right, they do. We need to get like a, a rubber molded mic that we can actually drop and it's fine. <laughs> uh, I'll get on that. <laughs> on that note. It, let's do a fun segment. Yay for fun. Fun, fun segment. Okay, what are we up for this time? Guys? All right, I know, right? You're like, what are they going to do this time? All right, this time it's a little bit easier. Uh, we're not going to incorporate your improv skills as much. We're going to play a game called Good, Better, Best. We're not making you choose between what the good, the bad, and the ugly, because sometimes those are easy, right? The hardest decisions in life are between what's good, better, and best. So we're going to give you three things. We'll alternate. I'll give you three things. Then Veronica will give you three things, and then I'll give you three things, and she'll give you three more things. No, she's looking at me like, no. Am I giving him all of the three things? Yes, I believe so. Okay, perfect. All right, so I'm going to give you three things, and you rate them. Tell me which one's good, which one's better, and which one's best. All right. Okay. We're going to start with breakfast cereal. Okay, breakfast cereal. I told you it's a fun segment. I really think breakfast cereal says a lot about a person I'm going to start a research project on this in my spare time between a job, a podcast, and coach area conference. Okay, and I'm not ever going to do that research. And a spouse. Oh, and kids. Yeah. Yeah, and being and a, a dad. Okay, I should probably do this first. All right, so breakfast cereals. Are you ready? Life, Cocoa Puffs, Lucky Charms. Best is life for sure. 
Nice. Love life. It's it's such a good cereal. And it's a great phrase to say, I love life. <laughs> life is my favorite. Like, life is yeah. my favorite. Life is the best. Um, lucky Charms, I guess, because at least there's a little bit of value in the Lucky Charms with the little, <laughs> the you know, Cheerio type yeah. things. There is no, an not oat. the marshmallows. Oh, the that's the best thing. part. <laughs> See, she's thinking <laughs> value and deliciousness. Yeah, you're I'm thinking like nutritional, <laughs> value. nutritional value. <laughs> I'm just not, you know, I'm not a breakfast person so much. So, um, I guess cocoa puffs would have to be the the good, although it turns your milk brown. So. Yeah, but it makes chocolate, chocolate milk. milk yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I yeah. actually asked this question in an interview this week. Oh my goodness. The, that the poor, poor interviewee. Right? right? <laughs> the poor interviewee. Gotta liven things up. Oh my goodness. So here's the next one, and you've kind of already given away your answer because the next one was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Good, better, and best. Oh yeah, the good is definitely breakfast. Um I would say um lunch is better and dinner best because sometimes you know dinner is just me and trisha which is really nice right that's nice but you know uh -huh. what's like the best best is brunch debatable so, I, mean, I still have just, to get up early brunch. for brunch no like that's a 10 o'clock 11 o'clock thing so still early it's just you know next level sorry nice. just had to throw that in there <laughs> if we ever play good better best and brunch we'll right. make brunch the fourth category absolutely okay so here's the next and dinner one. is also when you know like my family's all around the table which is oh, great nice. yeah. absolutely yeah. everybody's moving 100 miles an hour in different directions and that's where all the stories and... get told too because you know i get to hear you know what my kids stories i get to hear about my wife's stories I share my own, you know, things aren't real until I tell them to my wife or to my family. So, Do you ever critique your wife or children's story design in their dinnertime stories? No, absolutely not. No. Good call. Good no. call. You're wise, wise, yeah. wise, wise. Because story design, you know, has a specific, uh, a specific um, outcome, which is somebody takes action on what you've just said. And, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to take action on what my children tell me in their stories necessarily. It's a good point. Yeah. All right, I got two more for you. Trying to bring it back, Veronica, to, you know. <laughs> He's trying really hard. <laughs> so here's the next one. Summer, winter, or fall? Yeah, uh, fall in Texas, summer, winter. Wait, for which sure. way did that go? Which was... So I'd say good would be uh, winter. Okay. Better would be... Fall, uh, summer, and best is fall. Yeah, fall in Texas is awesome. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Not quite as beautiful as North Carolina, which is where I'm from, but it North is. North Carolina is pretty. It's so many trees. Yes. Trees, there. trees. We actually have trees. It's great. Yeah. It is nice. Like when you fly in, you're like, wow, it's trees. You don't see just like a <laughs> bunch of buildings and houses. It's so nice. Or the first time my kids flew and they looked mm. down and saw trees, they were like, look, broccoli. Right, what is that? <laughs> but all the trees looked like broccoli. Yeah. All right, here's the last one. Good, better, best. Skittles, Starburst, nerds. Oh, my gosh. Those are awful. <laughs> I hate all three of them. I should have known with life being your favorite of the cereals. <laughs> I hate the Like, maybe a Snickers would be, like, top for me. So basically, Snickers is good, better, and best for you. Yeah, nothing fruity. Okay. Yeah. Fruity candy is just a turnoff for me. And then fruit with chocolate. Ugh. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Awful. My, my, my wife and my daughter love chocolate and fruit. 
You remember when chocolate oranges were all the rage? Oh, yeah. We get them one every year for Christmas. I love it. I do a chocolate covered strawberry, but that's about the extent of my chocolate and fruit. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. People go too crazy with it. I'm like, look, chocolate covered orange, you ruined two things. You ruined the chocolate and you ruined the orange. Just leave them alone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, with that, let's jump back into our content I can't think of a segue between those two. I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> now that we have discussed all four parts of your book, we know that our listeners are so excited to read it. Hopefully they've already you know, purchased it and they're reading it now and able and they're ready to incorporate it into their training. So what is the most important thing that you want readers to learn from your book? I want them to go and write stories. I'd want them to put it into action. I didn't write this book because it was a good idea. I wrote it to do exactly what story design was crafted to do. And I I hope that, that readers see that in the book. Each chapter begins with a story and it follows the path of this instructional designer as they are, you know, coming to the light themselves on, on story design principles. Um, and so I hope that the way that story was written um, illustrates exactly what the book was designed to do, which motivates and equips people to go out there and start designing stories. I love it. So your book wasn't written to make us read. It was written to make us write, to write stories. Well put. Awesome. So I guess my question would be, can story design be applied to other business disciplines or even other disciplines outside of business? Is there a limitation to what stories can do? Mm. Uh, We touched on this a little bit already, but story design um, is any, anytime you have a message that somebody needs to do something as a result of hearing or receiving your message, story design is always applicable. Um, So let's, let's take, let's take like a, a leader, a corporate leader, um, this leader is um, possibly, you know, the communication on their team is is suffering. Um, there's been a reorg in the in the company. Um, he's lost three of his best people. Uh, one of those people was um, his top salesperson, and so he's having to step in and do uh, sales himself and c- customer facing stuff. So what do we have here? We have this like picture of many disciplines that one person has to master in order to be an effective leader. Um, They need uh, communication skills. They need to communicate with their team effectively. They need to um, navigate organizational change. They need to sell a product. And uh, they need to uh, motivate their team to uh, come together. Right. So all of these involve some form of communication and all of them involve a message that needs action. Right. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah. So story design can be applied to any of these disciplines, change management, um, any kind of communication skills, marketing, sales, um, any any kind of message that requires the action of the person you're you're giving it to. Um, So I think leaders, corporate leaders benefit. Um, organizational development, um, professionals, change management professionals, 
um, sales professionals, you know, the story design has a very, very, very far reach. Um, this book um, focuses in on uh, learning and how to use it for training, uh, but the application of story design is very far-reaching. Yeah, I think so too. That's where my brain goes next because I go, where else can I use story or even where else have I used story? So I think about teaching my kids something that I want them to do. Using story is a great way with my kids as well. So you're like, man, whether you're parenting, whether sure. you're training, whether you're teaching, story just works. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <clears throat> so just to kind of wrap some things up, what additional resources are available for those who want to continue to develop their story design skills. So they've read the book, you know, where else can they go to continue to develop these skills? That's a great question. Um, the first place you can go is uh, needastory.com. There is... Um, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Can you say that one more time, Rance? Sure. The best place <laughs> you can go is needastory.com. Needastory.com. Did you get that, Trey? Can we put an echo effect on that? That'd be awesome. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, and needastory.com, you'll see there in the book, there is an actual um, URL that you can just type in, and then there will be all of the resources that are in the appendix, the instructional story design plan, the uh, the tools that you um, use to interview stakeholders, the tools that you use to um, build the story itself. They're all right there um, on on the website. And you can download them, and they're editable, and you can just fill in the forms yourself. Nice. So that's that's one way. Um, I also do workshops for corporations if you know they they want to train their team on uh, instructional st- instructional story design um, or you know other applications of story design. Then I will go into a, a corporation and and do do a session believe, for them. Um, on LinkedIn, I saw that you will be at a conference soon. Oh, so you yes. should definitely tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to Denver for ATD uh, International Conference, come a day early and sign up for the pre-conference uh, session uh, called Story Design. And I'll be doing a full, and it's going to be fun. Uh, the workshop is not a rehash of the book. It's actually an experience. And so you'll get put in the driver's seat right away where you will be um, doing the discovery, the design, and the delivery of a story. And by the time you leave, you'll have this full story. So Ooh, it's going to be really fun. really fun. Yeah. Too That's worth the go. flight, worth the money. Yeah. I'll be there. doing a book signing there too. So right. it'll be nice. See, look at that. You can learn how to do story design and get your story design book signed. Yes. That was actually a really difficult sentence to say. <laughs> it's very difficult to say. Well, Rance, thank you so much for giving us your time. Um, we always love talking with you, whether it's on air or off air. You are a wonderful friend to both Veronica and me, and we just appreciate you very much. Feelings and mutual. So we want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us, especially about your new, abet, uh, new book. Just want to plug it one more time, Instructional Story Design by Rance Green. Check it out. We learned a lot and can't wait to utilize the resource provided to take our learning to the next level. Uh, we want to strongly encourage our listeners to get a copy of the book. Visit Rant's website, needastory.com, for additional content and resources. 
That is it for this episode. If you really like rants and you really like our podcast, make sure that you subscribe. When you subscribe, subscribers get bonus content. As soon as we're done recording this episode, we are recording some bonus content with rants and you are going to want to get it. So click subscribe. Rants, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. For bonus content, click subscribe in your podcast app, plus follow and like us on social media. I'm Trey Talley. And I'm Veronica Reed. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talent Factor Podcast. The Talent Factor is sponsored by Visual Learning Solutions. Please visit us at visuallearningsolutions.com.